Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Well, I don't care how they do it in England, Gavin. We're not having spotted dick for Thanksgiving. Ass. The following podcast contains... We're more likely to believe an important local businessman than a foul-mouthed jerk from out of town. Foul-mouthed? Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you deployed your forces to guard an old Walmart, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, November 16th, 2018, Operation Circle Jerk edition of the show, where we talk about the ookie cookie along the U.S.-Mexico border. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking contest is brought to you by Carl's Concertina Wire Emporium, the finest fencing in the world. Are you looking to close off vast stretches of empty space with some kind of wire? Then Carl's Concertina Wire Emporium has you fenced in. We have oh, we have the largest selection of concertina razor wire fencing in the Southwest. Forget your barbed wire. We are talking coils and coils of looped mesh and linked barriers for all your border needs. Carl's delivers to your fob or fire base. No need to send a deuce and a half. We will run it to you in a U-Haul truck. Ready to string over underpasses and along creek beds across the Southland? Carl's has been fencing Texas for over two decades, keeping cattle in and illegals out. Act now and Carl's will include a pair of free wire cutters with your orders of a thousand meters or more of razor wire. Where your mission is fencing, call Carl's Concertina Wire Emporium. The plan, like so many plans in so many wars before it, was meant to end the fighting by Christmas and bring the boys back home. We used a lot of words in the military that simply have no equivalent in civilian life. Not just phrases like fuck wad cock nobbler, which has a very specific meaning in my military parlance. And that explanation requires one to serve at least two years in uniform to even begin to understand. Yeah, you have to be there. Most of our language is framed around complaint because no one can complain better than a group of GIs. We've elevated bitching to an art form. And that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but the truth is, when GIs complain, we're not actually unhappy. There's an old aphorism, a bitching soldier is a happy soldier, and any veteran will nod sagely when those words are spoken. Any current or former NCO knows that so long as the troops are complaining, things are fine. But when they get quiet, it's time to start worrying. It's quiet. Yeah. Too quiet. Because when things have gotten so bad the troops stop bitching, we move straight into sulking, and many a sergeant will gather their troops together for a motivational speech, usually laced with more profanities than one might think is strictly necessary. In this this speech, they will impart to them a simple message. Embrace the suck. The what? The what? And the what? Embracing the suck is simple. The situation sucks. There's literally nothing to be done about it sucking, so you might as well learn to live with the suck and get on with what needs to be done. I can see some of you are confused, so let me use an actual real event that happened in my life. 
The week before Thanksgiving in 1996, I received a phone call in the middle of the night informing me that I was deploying in 24 hours. I needed to pack my ship and be at the squadron at ODARK 30 for deployment processing. Details would follow. And I was like, Could you be more specific, please? And I was told to shut the fuck up and show up. 24 hours later, I'm on a military transport with 43 of my closest co-workers to Howard Air Force Base in Panama. You see, a few months earlier, there'd been this mass exodus from Cuba by 10,000 or so Cubans seeking asylum in the United States. And rather than making it, it to Florida, they were picked up and before they arrived and shuffled down to Panama. Then they were held in refugee camps in the Panama Canal Zone, with the understanding that they would only be there just a few weeks and by no means were the Cubans going to be allowed to stay in Panama. Several months later, absolutely nothing had been done. The Cubans were still there after being promised they would shortly be processed as refugees and allowed into the U.S., and the Panamanians were not too happy about it, and the Cubans were certainly not very happy about it because a rumor, an accurate rumor, by the way, began to go around that they were going to be shipped back to Cuba and held at the Guantanamo Bay Naval Station and then repatriated to Cuba. This, as you might imagine, caused some consternation. They turned around and they started a fucking riot. Long story short, they rioted, they hurt some GIs, tore up some camps, and the U.S. government deployed around a thousand more troops to the canal zone to get the situation under control. I want to be clear, the Cuban refugees had been promised they would be allowed to settle in the United States by the United States government, they were only supposed to be in Panama for just a few weeks, and if they were sent back to Cuba, they would trade our rather nice concentration camps with showers, good food, and no torture for Cuban re-education camps when they had none of those things and added torture and death. They had a pretty good reason to be pissed. And the reason they couldn't do any of those things is because the Clinton administration fucked up and fucked up big time. So now they're calling in the military troops to clean up their fucking mess. Leaving aside the political mess, this deployment really shit all over my life. I was dating someone pretty seriously, and we'd made plans to spend the holidays with her family who were not military and didn't understand why I had to break said plans. Rather than the pleasant little vacation I had planned, I slept in a sweltering tent in the middle of the fucking jungle, chasing snakes out of our living spaces. I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane! Like that, except it was a tent. We ate MREs. The Cubans ate real food. We took wet wipe showers. The Cubans had showers where water sprayed on you. We worked 16-hour shifts and were routinely pelted by rocks or assaulted by angry refugees, who again had every right to be angry. They really were being fucked by our government. It was Christmas morning that I finally embraced the suck. I was riding on the back of a shitter truck as it made the rounds of the camp sucking piss and shit out of hundreds of portajohns inside the wire. And on the camp PA was Christmas music. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. To this day, I still have a visceral fucking reaction to that song because we heard it million times in those oh, fuck oh i hate that song <sighs> i hadn't had a shower in two weeks a clean uniform in at least three days and i was watching this big beautiful meal relief agencies that provide for the cubans why well, had a turkey a la king mre waiting for me for my fucking christmas meal we were 20 miles from the nearest city 30 from the nearest military installation they could have brought us a christmas dinner 
They, I mean, they fucking flew them to remote mountaintops in Vietnam during a war. They could have brought us fucking hot food. They couldn't be bothered. It was then and there that I realized, short of being in combat, this was the worst Christmas I would ever spend in my life. And there wasn't a goddamn thing I could do about it except embrace it, live through it, and fucking get it over with. It was my lowest point in 10 years of service. And that's right when I knew, on the back of that shitter truck, 95 degrees, sweating my balls off in a flak jacket helmet, carrying a fucking axe handle, and reeking of shit and piss, watching Cubans eat fucking ham and turkey while I was going to eat a fucking MRE, that I was done with the military, and I was out when this enlistment ended. Which is why I'm thinking about the troops deployed on the Mexican border right now. They, too, are embracing the suck. From an article in the New York Times, it opens with the lead, quote, Sergeant First Class Daniel Misick, a platoon sergeant with the 89th Military Police Brigade, tore open a brown packaging of his MRE on Thursday. It was a chicken and noodle dish, one of the more sought-after rations because it came with Skittles. But from the cot outside his platoon's tent at the Army's latest forward operating base, Sergeant Misick could almost see the bright orange and right roof of Whataburger, a fast-food utopia eight miles away, but off-limits under the current Army rules. The desert tan flatbed trucks at the base are for hauling concertina wire, not for food runs, unquote. That's some straight up bullshit. Wait, though, wait. No, you think that sounds bad? It gets even better, quote. As it was at the bases in those early war zones, electricity at Cape Base Camp Donna is scarce except to, except to power lights and communication gear. In the last several days, the soldiers installed a small shower tent. Men and women have set hours for bathing. Per ship permitted shower length, seven minutes. There's no mess hall, just the brown pre-packaged MREs. Military police officers patrol the perimeter at night armed with handguns. The tents sleep 20 soldiers and have no electricity or air conditioning. Phone charging is relegated to a few generators that power the spotlights around the living area. Another glorious day in the Corps. Day in the Marine Corps is like a day on the farm. Every meal is a banquet. Every paycheck a fortune. Every formation of parade. I love the car. This is in the continental United States. A few miles away, there's fast food bars, strip clubs, and the internet. I cannot imagine how pissed off these troops must be right now. At least my deployments were the ass end of nowhere, where the only civilization was what we carried in with us. Panama was surrounded by miles upon miles of dense jungle, infested with snakes and jaguars. The only way in and out were roads, and the checkpoints were staffed by GIs. But down in Texas, the world is right outside, and you are trapped inside. Instead of putting refugees in camps, we put the soldiers in the camps and we won't let them out. Looks like the shoe is on the other foot. <laughs> and that is supremely fucked up. They aren't even getting paid extra. There's no danger pay because there's no danger. The only danger is dying of boredom. And there's certainly no one to fight. Since And since they're being fed fucking NMREs, the per diem or daily rate to live while deployed is utter shit as well. They will be there until at least... December 15th, meaning, you know, there goes fucking Thanksgiving. And trust me, it be in the military, they'll be there come Christmas as well because someone will forget to fucking bring them home. The suck must truly be embraced. And you know, we have, we ask questions, we want to know while we're there, but you, whenever we get a bullshit detail, the something like this is always going to come up. What the fuck are we doing out here in the middle of the desert? 
I mean, I ask that shit at least once a day during my deployments to the Persian Gulf in the interwar period. Long before Gulf War II, U.S. troops would sit in berm compounds hundreds of miles from any city just in case some shit went down in Iraq again. But at least we had someone we could bomb or shoot if beef started. The troops on the border have no mission, no authority, and no reason to be there except for political stunt designed to excite the racist base of the GOP. The lovely fucking war. Bravo 6 out. This is not to say, and I'm being entirely unfair here, I'm sure, that there's no threat at all. In case there's a fully equipped medical tent. Have you had to treat people since you've been here? So no, no major trauma or anything like that. Uh, it's mostly, um, you know, mosquito bites and uh, chiggers and stuff. Trust me when I say that sergeant was delivering a scathing critique of the mission right there. <laughs> if you speak the language, this is what he said. This is a fucking bullshit mission, and I can't believe this fucking idiocy of us being here. The person responsible for this needs his fucking stupid nuts kicked right up his in a shit bird neck. Okay, I didn't hear that. That's because the military does not criticize the chain of command in front of reporters, but that is what he said, trust me. And then, there is this nugget from, again, all of these are from a Vice News on HBO report. And the troops have almost nothing to do. A federal law known as the Posse Comitatus Act prevents the troops from enforcing immigration laws. The migrant caravan they're supposed to be responding to is weeks away in Mexico City. And according to our reporters on the ground, it's headed to Tijuana, 1,500 miles to the west. What the fuck? They're in the wrong place to do the mission that they're ostensibly there to do. <laughs> oh, fucking, this is such bullshit. And if you want to know what really kind of bullshit is, officers do not bitch. It's forbidden by the officer code. I mean, they bitch to other officers, but they never bitch in front of the enlisted, and they never bitch in front of reporters. But here, here is another officer who is going to explain to you how she truly feels about this situation. I'm sorry to ask this so bluntly. Do you feel genuinely like there is a need for you to be here right now? That, that's my personal opinion. Um, I'm not really here to talk about my personal feelings. I'm here to talk about my job. I mean, I have feelings, but again, that's, that's not really what I'm here to do. Can you tell us your feelings? No. Oh, let me translate her feelings for you. Let me do this because an officer speak, what she really said was, quote, Really? Are you fucking kidding me? I'm building a fucking camp in the middle of fucking Texas so we can sit here and play fucking cards in the cold. It's a fucking waste of my time and skills, but I signed up for this stupid shit, so I guess I gotta do it, and I'm just going to embrace the suck. The only uniform in the fucking AO that is not shitting on the mission through carefully worded diplomatic phrasing is the mission commander, and he will never shit on the mission ever. Then he is Lieutenant General Jeffrey Buchanan, who said this about this four-star goat fuck. Quote, for us, it's a viable mission. It's a legal mission. We're not in charge, and we're not conducting a law enforcement role. Does that mean that everybody would rather be deployed to, in some cases, some pretty austere environments rather than sitting at home eating turkey with their own family, rather than their Army and Marine family on Thanksgiving? Well, no, but... The same thing happens when you're in Iraq and Afghanistan. And that, pod friends, is general speak for I gotta do this shit if I want another star before I retire. Because when you spend a lifetime in the service, 
command troops and shooting wars, and then find yourself guarding a fucking Walmart in Frog Fart, Texas, you know your career is really going places there, General. You must be so proud. <laughs> Someone who is being extremely quiet about all of this is Secretary of Defense Mattis, who is the pivot man in this circle jerk, and the guy who will have to carry the ookie cookie back to the White House so the current occupant can sate his fucking perverted appetite. And I've lost my appetite. Responding to the patently obvious bullshit nature of this entire shit show, Mattis downplayed that criticism last month by saying that the Pentagon is providing practical support based on the request from the Commissioner of Customs and Border Police. We don't do stunts in this department. Bullshit. <laughs> oh, Mad Dog, you know it's a bullshit deployment. Of course you know it's a bullshit deployment. But you keep fucking spreading fucking peanut butter on the bullshit and hope it goes down easier. Nor do we know how much this fucking thing is going to cost. Moving 5,000 troops to the ass end of Texas, building an entire forward operating base <laughs> on the prairie, and then keeping them there for who knows how long is it something the Pentagon usually budgets for. Unless they have a presidential temper tantrum blind item which two years into this administration is actually a viable possibility now that I think of it. So money that could have been used for actual important things like, you know, the wars we are continually fighting for the past 20 fucking years now has to be allocated to this Operation Circle Jerk. The best house estimates right now is that we're in about $200 million, which in Pentagon terms is like some change found in a men's room stall, but it's still money that could have been spent on more constructive things like, I don't know, paying for a single tiny rubber gasket on an F-35 fighter. <sighs> Money well spent. What's really fucked up about all this is how people just totally forgot the whole reason they were sent down there in the first place. I mean, the ostensible reason, that migrant caravan that Trump used to flame up his base going into the midterms, and then just totally forgot about the second the Democrats kicked his nuts into his throats during said midterms. Now he's on to voter fraud in Florida and sulking like a whiny, whiny little bitch while Melania is firing people on National Security Council, apparently, because honestly, I can't keep track of this anymore because I'm tired of his shit. The only reason I'm talking about all of this now is how pissed off I am over the way the troops are being shit on. Last Sunday was Veterans Day, the one day a year we set aside to honor the men and women who served in the U.S. Armed Forces, except, admittedly, every goddamn football game they play in the NFL these days. But this fucker couldn't even take the time to visit Arlington on Veterans Day like every president since Kennedy because he was too busy pouting. I mean, I get his lame ass not fucking going out in France because if his hair gets wet, everyone in the world is going to see like Donald Trump looks like Uncle Fester with a mop stapled to the back of his head when it falls apart from the moisture and no one wants to see that. But he could have at least pretended here in the States. He doesn't because like everything else, he doesn't give a fuck about the military except it's a cheap way to make his tiny dingle tingle and they are being used like a presidential fleshlight, and that's a shitty way to treat people who served in the armed forces. Everyone, when they put on the uniform, gives up a lot. Some of them give up their lives, and in exchange, they trust their government will not waste their sacrifice on bullshit missions. Then, if they are lucky, after they get fucked over the first time, they learn that their government will absolutely waste their time, expertise, and yes, their lives 
on whatever bullshit mission crosses some fucker's tiny mind in the Pentagon. Once you leave the lowest levels of command, the platoon, or the squadron, the people involved lose all semblance of humanity, and they just become numbers on a spreadsheet that need to be moved from point A to point B so they can chuck off a fucking form answer to some absurd request issued by a faceless and thoughtless entity we call the United States government. Once you move from a frontline command, you're not deploying people. You're just deploying uniforms that happen to be occupied by people. And uniforms have no feelings, they have no needs or families. Uniforms don't care if they're wet and cold or eating shit food for weeks on end. Uniforms don't bitch about not having a mission to complete or spending endless hours hanging around doing nothing and having nothing to do for the foreseeable future. Uniforms don't even care if they're shot full of holes, burnt down or blown up. So long as you're moving uniforms around, you don't need to care about the meat that moves them. And that is how we are able to waste valuable people in bullshit jobs all to aggrandize the ego of a dickhead. And if the meat mover in the uniform is lucky, their worst day will be on the back of a shit truck Listen to Jose Feliciano sing the same song over and over again. Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Prospero año y felicidad Before they realize they've had enough of this bullshit and they get the fuck out. And if they're not lucky, they come home in a bag and we put them in a fucking hole in the ground all to aggrandize the ego of a dickhead. Either way, until either of those days happen, the meat movers will be professionals, they will get the mission done, and they will just embrace the suck. That is it for our show this week. I think about that shitter truck a lot as I grow older. How a stinking vehicle filled with crap was more than just a physical representation of how bad life can be, but also a metaphor for how bad life can get. Like when I log onto Facebook and see some right-wing racist shitpost shared by someone I love. There's that shitter truck slowly driving past me again. When I read the news and see how the unelected first lady is openly medically in staffing issues in the West Wing, there goes that shitter truck. And when I check the download numbers for a week, the shitter truck is right there. And I say to myself, could be worse. The shitter truck could break down and the portageons can overflow. You take what you can get to make it through your day. Speaking of overflowing shitters, you should rate and review this show wherever you find your podcast. It's a metaphorical equivalent of an overflowing portageon and a necessary insult to the world, if you will. And it helps people find their way to our little Santa can of a show. All of my scribblings on that shithouse wall can be found on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast. And if you're interested in making all the stops this shit truck has ever made in the past, check out the back catalog of nearly 200 shitter stops at the show name on SoundCloud or at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. So for me, Dave, Feliz Navidad. Let's so producer Hotel California Gavin and all the fictional exiles that's on the show. We want to say that if you happen to find yourself at a lost and found in a border town, if they ask you, you should ask them about my inflatable love doll that I lost in El Paso in 1997. It's not that I want the doll back for any perverted reasons. It's just she had a lot of sentimental value and she really understood me. We'll see you all next week.
I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.